Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello, welcome to Never Press News, Season 3, Episode 3. I've got a guest on today and we connected via LinkedIn around Christmas period. I was scrolling through LinkedIn, as you do. I uh, saw a, uh, a book that I was really interested in called No Filter Needed, and I'm sure we'll get into that over the next hour or so. Um, I really want to dig into this book. But what intrigued me the most about the book, um, I was just saying off air, I've got a 13-year-old daughter. Well, she's going to be 13 soon. Um, um, she's going to be a teenager soon. And um, I really wanted to understand what um, this No Filter Needed in an age where we are, um, I don't know, maybe maybe try to word it slightly better, but in an age where we're quite obsessed with how we look, uh, the pressures of social media, I wanted to really dig into this, so I connected with this, um, with this guest today. So welcome to the podcast, Camilla Collins. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. It's really amazing to be here and an honour to be asked, so thank you. No problem whatsoever. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Um, like I said in the, uh, in the intro there, um, and, and I'm trying to word it because my brain is going crazy with this whole no filter needed thing. Um, I spent the weekend lying on the sofa uh, reading your book. Thank you very much. It's an amazing book. If you haven't read it yet out there, then uh, check it out. No Filter Needed by Camilla Collins. It's a great book. Um, and like I said, the, the connection to the book was really that I have a daughter. Um, and although this is not primarily aimed at women or just aimed at women um i'm sure um it's relatable uh, to men as well um i was trying to figure out where i fit in as a dad and what support i can give to my daughter if she's feeling like some of the situations in here so um you've got my brain completely ticking thank you very much camilla <laughs> oh well i'm glad i'm really glad you're enjoying enjoying the book um and yeah i mean obviously it's got you know my own personal experience uh, at the beginning of the book um, and, you know, the things that came up for me and the things that I struggled with. And I just think that these things have only um, got worse over over time with so much exposure, especially with the younger generation to so much on, on digital media and, and social media and just the pressure. I really felt there was a, there, there always is this pressure on society to conform to these ideals um, and I'm a makeup artist myself I'm trained as a makeup artist about well come about 12 years ago now um, so the book has a, a spin um, on that a sort of a beauty spin really of the beauty industry but you know it's it's everything um, and you know materialism kind of on the rise and this whole keeping up appearances and it was just something that I just saw increasing at, at rapid pace um, and I've you know I've got nieces as well and and I and I worry um, and I worry, I, you know, the decline in, in people's mental health um, in general is quite alarming. And it was just something I really kind of wanted to explore and 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 help, if I could, to expose some of the stuff at play that I think is contributing to so many of us, young and old, um, not feeling comfortable in our own skin. Yeah, well... You know, we just spoke off air and one of the topics I want to get, well, you've mentioned a couple of things there. Firstly, is that that bit about you. So the first section, the intro of the book is called A Little Bit About Me. And um, it's, I, I said to you just off air, that that bit so far has been the most awesome part of the book. And that's not to discredit the rest of the book, <laughs> by the way. Uh, the rest of the book is also amazing. But really just getting to understand why um, it gave us an insight into who you are and we're really going to get into that the levels of vulnerability and the honesty that you show in that early part of the book I think it tees it up nicely for the rest of the book I think you could have wrote the rest of it without that and I think it would have still had an impact but the authenticity of that that initial bit really um it just appealed I, I was a you know I was um attracted then to what you were saying because I knew you was doing it from your own experiences so um well done and I was just reading it about how often you changed the order of the book whilst you was writing it 
Um, so I'm glad you did lead with that bit because that really teed it up nicely. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I suppose we should let people know how we really met. Um, and we met through social media. But there's a kind of a little funny story to that, um, that when I contacted you um, and said to you, oh, would you like to come on the Never Press News podcast? You checked it out on Spotify and you'd already listened. You'd already previously listened to it, which is great news. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had. And, and I, I mentioned to you, I think, yeah, it was it was so good. Um, the episode, it was with Sam, Sam Horn. And um, I think I came straight off it and, and went and found her on on social media myself and cultivated this wonderful friendship during lockdown. Um, and we're sort of thick as thick as these now. So I, I, I said to you, thank you so much. Um, and it was just so nice to to listen to like, you know, the real raw conversation. And, and we just had a chat um, about this, you know, no bells and whistles. Uh, the Never Press News podcast is is just people having unfiltered, no filtered um, and unedited yeah. conversations, which is which is great. Um, so thank you for putting putting this out there and making it available to people yeah no problem it's an absolute pleasure i just love the fact that you connected to sam and now you and sam are um all over social media i see you both on saturday doing your own thing on social media the, the brunch thing that you did um you guys work together and as part of the never press news podcast i've started a 10 minute takeaway as well so if you haven't listened and you're listening to this check out 10 minute takeaway where we will dissect the previous week's episode with somebody who I'm connected to and I aptly chose uh, Samantha Horn to dissect yours. So in a couple of weeks time, Sam and I will sit down and we'll just for 10 minutes uh, have a look at this podcast and what the key takeaways are. So I'm glad we can keep that real connection between you and Sam together. Oh, it's so nice. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So come on then, let's get into it. Um, Let's get into a little bit about you. Um, firstly, um, can you tell us a little bit about the Girls Network? Because when I pick up the book, um, it says that the, the book is helping you raise funds for the Girls Network. So uh, let's get that plugged out there straight away as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the Girls Network, I did a bit of mentoring with. I can't remember how I actually found them. I think I was, I was just looking to give back. And this was a few years ago um, in some way. And I stumbled across them. And they inspire and empower um, girls from uh, underprivileged backgrounds, sort of age 14 to 19. So they they have lots of things kind of going on. But the idea is that they'll take um, they'll take on a board like a professional um, and do like a, a match matching session. And then you get paired with a mentee from a school and you'll have you know, you can meet up um, every so often. They've got their kind of is it an intranet? I don't know, things to kind of help you with, with mentoring, but really it's just to show them what is possible for them, um, you know, out in, out in the real world and, and give them some insights and, and motivation and inspire them to, to go after their dreams um, and to know what's possible for them, which is anything, anything's possible for, for all of us, really. Um, so yeah, so that's what the, the girls network is about. And I just wanted to do, give something back with the book. So yeah, there's a, um, a share of profits that goes for every book purchase that goes towards the girls network to support them in their work. Well, I'm extremely proud to have purchased this book and also to have donated to the girls network at the same time. So if people want to check that out, check it out, www.girlsnetwork.org.uk. UK. So, um, yeah, I had a quick look at that yesterday. Really pleased to uh, to see that where it talks about achieving goals for the futures of young women. I think it's a great cause. So uh, thank you and well done. Um, good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, it's a yeah, yeah, really great um, charity, that one. Um, and, and it's just nice for, for both, like everybody benefits, you know, who's mentoring. We're, you know, we, we learn, they learn from us, we learn from them. Um, it's what make, makes the world go round, really, and sharing the ideas and just in, inspiring, motivating one another and educating one another in what's what's coming up in the world um, and what, what struggles they're facing as well, which I think is important for us to, to understand the younger generation and, and help them. Yeah, well, if there's one thing for certain, I do not understand the younger generation. So if in the next hour 
you can enlighten me on that. That would be a great start. Um, and so my eldest boy tells me I know nothing. So, um, yeah, um, he's 19 and uh, at university. And uh, he, he always says, what, what do you know? Says uh, as he's strapped line to me. So but I want to get into you. I want to get into that first part of the book now, a uh, little bit about you. Um, so just tell us, apart from being an amazing author of the North Filter Needed book, what else do you do? Um, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I do lots of things. Um, <laughs> so in, well, in terms of, of work now, I have, uh, I have three makeup um, and entertainment agencies. So I trained as a makeup artist and I'll get to what happened before then in a moment, but I trained, yeah, about 12 years ago and I started off in, well, I was trained in TV, film and theatre, hair and makeup. And I started off in the filming industry and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've always been obsessed with transformation, I think. Um, well, I know. Uh, I just, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like magic to me. Um, and I think as I'll get to in a moment, probably because I was always transforming myself um, and, you know, Camilla the chameleon, I kind of was and still very much incapable of being now as well today. Um, but more, you know, just trying to find my place in the world um, and sort of adapting to my surroundings. So I think, you know, transformation of any kind, and I was heavily into my art and a lot of my artwork was probably a bit disturbing in, in some ways. I was always distorting bodies or, or faces. And the, the one theme that ran through my artwork um, was, and I didn't notice this until literally a couple of years ago um, when I thought about it, but it was uh, the pressure on um, society to, um, to conform to their ideals. So it, this was even when I was doing my GCSE art um, was a topic I was really interested in. And so I, I was just I blew my own mind, actually, when I wrote this book and I didn't realize I was writing it afterwards. I was like, wow, this stuff is still bugging me today. Like I'm writing about it in my 30s. It's mad. Um, so so that was, yeah, the 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 hook for makeup for me. Um, but when I when I went to study makeup, um, I was pretty much starting from scratch so I had ended up in rehab um just after what well, was after just after my 21st birthday um and I was in there on Christmas over Christmas and New Year and my life had just got unmanageable um in terms of it had just downward spiraled for a number of a number of years and I don't, there's not really one kind of specific thing, but, uh, you know, it, it was drinking and, and drugs and, you know, the people and, and not even necessarily bad people I was hanging around with. But when you're around that environment, you know, there's and you can't, that's the only thing you're around. Um, it's all it, it just it goes downhill. It goes downhill. And once you're at the bottom, it's really hard to to get back up again. And so after years of that, um, I was yeah super super depressed uh suicidal the turning point for me uh really was actually we've been at so it must have been beginning of December we've been at this um charity uh lunch event I was with my mom actually um at the where were we not the Dorchester maybe no the Hilton we were at the Hilton and we'd gone to the top floor for drinks afterwards and all I wanted to do was uh throw myself off the top of that building like I just I just didn't want to be here anymore. And I'd had these thoughts before and, you know, been all over the, the place. And when I had drunk or, you know, I'd gone benders for like days. Um, of course, I was all over the shop then. But here I was just, you know, it was Christmas time. It should have been a happy time. We were at a charity event, you know, raising money. And I just I just had enough. And, and I, I went back to my mum's that evening because I wasn't actually living with her. And I sat, I remember sitting on her sofa and I just said, mum, like, I think I need some help. And she was, she was so relieved. She, I think she cried and she said, I'm so glad. Thank you. So like, I'm so glad. And thank you so much for, for asking me for help because I wanted to try and help you, but there's not, been nothing I can do. Um, and so the next morning she took me, was it the next day? Oh no, I think I, I had a look online there and then, um, and she drove me down to the Priory and I had this sort of assessment and they wanted me to come in like right away. And so I think I think I went back later that afternoon. I packed a bag um, and I was in there for a month. Um, so they have a program called the ATP program, addiction treatment program. 
And basically it's just a day in, day out therapy, talking about feelings, um, just talking, uh, just talking a lot and talking about, yeah, feelings that I'd spent years avoiding um, and just kind of processing, processing all of that. So it was a really interesting um, experience and it's, it's definitely made me who I am today in terms of the awareness that I have about myself and the questions that I ask myself. And this runs through a lot of the work that I do now um, and, and the, yeah, the coaching work that I do now. So I'm, I've, I've spent years, you know, putting stuff on, on the outside with myself. And then I made a career of doing the same with other people. Um, and I, and I love it because it, you know, it feels good. I work with a lot of brides on their wedding day and it's just, it's a really nice vibe to be in. But in the last couple of years, I just felt that I had more to give and that I was here to do more. And so that's when I started sort of specializing in self-image and having spent so so long on the external image, I decided to see what I could do to help people with their internal image and, and align the two. And, uh, you know, I believe when our external image and our internal image are misaligned, i.e. what we're putting out there on a daily basis is mm -hmm. not what we are feeling inside, then that just causes so much pain um, and so much angst within us. And, you know, it's it's a facade the whole time. So it's it's living a lie. And this yes. is the stuff that, that I work with now and, and what I'm really, really passionate about. And I know I've just gone totally off on like a tangent there and a, and a life story. Um, but that's how it, how it all kind of came about and really how we got to, or how I got to where I am today and doing I'm well, doing now. Yeah. Well, listen, don't, don't, please don't ever worry about going off on tangents. I asked the question and um, you, you, I give you the space to answer it. I think um, a couple of things I'm picked up on there. But firstly, I just want to touch on that last bit you mentioned there about when the inside and the outside don't align, mm -hmm. there's a real conflict there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, it's like, I think about that quite a lot. Um, from a personal perspective as well, you know, who, who I, who am I and who, who am I trying to be? What do I want to be? And it's so tiring if you get those wrong, um, because you're essentially spend your whole life acting. Yeah. Um, and I always say to my kids and to, to friends who I'm talking to about this subject, you know, the worst time is when you're brushing your teeth before you go to bed, because you've got to look at yourself and know that another went by, day went by where you wasn't truly honest about who you was or you didn't align on those things that you said you really wanted to do. Um, so that's my moment of truth, that, that brushing my teeth before bed. And I try to check in with that to make sure the person I have been throughout that day has been who I really am. Um, because it hasn't always been like that. But yeah, crazy. Um, I love that though, making sure you align inside and out, really, really important. I, I love the the brushing teeth um, sort of ritual with you. I think that's a great thing for, for all of us to do. Yeah. Well, I think it's something that, apart from when you're drunk, yeah. you probably don't do it then, but <laughs> that you forget. But it's something you should probably do most nights before you go to bed, just just this is we, we cover personal hygiene as well on tonight's podcast. But um, yeah, just... That's that moment really of truth because you have to look yourself in the mirror and kind of, yeah, give yourself that nod of approval a little bit. You've got a couple of minutes where you can't talk because you've got a toothbrush in your mouth, so you can't give yourself any excuses. Yeah, that's just just how I try to do it. Um, uh, I'll help someone. Maybe it'll help someone. I don't know. I think it's great. Um, and you, we well, we should be brushing our teeth twice a day. Um, and so the morning's a great time to, to set that in, in motion as in, you know, looking at yourself and saying, right, this is who I am. This is, I am going to be me today um, with, okay, I get maybe, well, maybe you do wear makeup. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> first, first thing in the morning. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't wear it so often. Um, only when my daughter puts it on me, but oh. yeah, no, I think, 
there is those moments, isn't there, through the day where you can start, you know, I, I spoke, we've spoken on the podcast a number of times about positive starts of the day, positive self-talk, positive affirmation, all of those things. But I think we miss those opportunities. So, you know, making that coffee while you're waiting for the kettle to boil or while you're brushing your teeth or while you're having a shave, for me, those are um, really those moments where you can reflect and start to, um, I don't know, maybe trying to, admit the things that you want to do that day. Um, yeah, they're just the times when I find it easiest to do it. Usually the kids are asleep as well, so I'll get a bit of peace and quiet to do it. Um, I want to try and dig in a little bit. I, I heard you saying there about uh, Camilla the Chameleon. Um, so I want to get back further than, you know, your t earlier than your 21st birthday. Yeah. Because the 21st birthday thing, obviously, is a significant date, but it's also a significant part of your life of when the recognition of what you'd been doing and how you'd been moving through circles of friends and through trends maybe up until that point was was probably the bit that came out. But I want to try and understand a bit beneath the surface that, that build-up because what I read, it felt like it was always heading in that direction even though you didn't know it. Would that be a, a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're to totally right. Um, and, and for what reason? Well, I'm you know, still un unpicking that. Um, although it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the past is, is in the past. Um, there's no kind of obvious, you know, I had, I had a lovely upbringing, a lovely home I didn't want for for anything um i you know and also i was at a great school um and again it was probably just the the crowds that you're in i was speaking not that long ago with a with a friend um whose kids are at boarding school um you know again nice school and technically nice kids and nice families but got into some unhelpful uh behavioral patterns and things and i think just the same thing kind of happened for me because it was on trend and this is what worries me about the generation today and you know it's different now but for me uh you know we used to have pro anorexia websites um i don't even know if they're still around but uh you know it was a it was a, a big thing um you know we were starving ourselves we were throwing up our lunches in the toilet um but it wasn't you know it wasn't considered like a a mental illness or an eating disorder to us back then obviously to to our parents and adults, it would have. It was just, it was just what we did, um, and yeah, just some shocking stuff. Another thing I mentioned in the book was um, carving pentacles into our arms uh, during like a, you know, witchcraft kind of phase that I went into. I went through many phases. Um, <laughs> again, as you know, Camilla the chameleon. You know, let's let's try on let's try on this uh, this for size. You know, gothic, um, glamorous phases. Uh, and, and I was very much a tomboy as a kid growing up. I wanted to play football with the boys. I used to gel my hair back. Um, yeah, it was just a completely different to how I am now. Um, so, yeah, just just many kind of different ways of being I tried out. Um, but even on, you know, with the, the pentacle carving um, situation, it was, it sounds so bizarre saying that was harmless fun because that obviously is not going to make sense but but to us it was then however it planted a seed then um and then self-harming was another thing um that came on later on and when the sort of i get the phase of you know trying to be kind of thin and beautiful and and sort of not eating like i took that then to like another level um and I was, yeah, I just, I, I was getting sent home from school because I literally had like no energy. I was buying um, uh, like fat burners and oh, Christ knows what kind of um, like diet pills and things like that. So I'd just be crashing at school and, get, and getting sent home. And, you know, all of this kind of ramped up, whereas I think a few people sort of let it go. This was the stuff that I kind of held on to and, and perhaps to a degree kind of defined myself by and went into, into later life with and I didn't I didn't really ever feel like I fully fitted in at school um and, and I say this in the book as well and it's not that um I was outcast I was I was friendly with with a lot of people with everybody I just I didn't really fit into a clique or or a group and 
to be honest, in my free time, when people, you know, at school would see each other on the weekends, I actually had like another group of friends and they were an older group of friends. And I wanted to be with the older kids, you know, drinking and smoking. And I was more interested in doing that than having a good time with my friends at, at their houses. So it's, yeah, I was always trying to, trying to be somewhere else. You know, I, I just always wanted to, to, to be somewhere else other than, than where I was. And I had a terrible habit and, and I still do to a certain extent of just taking things too far um, sometimes. And really, you know, once I get a bee in my bonnet about something, I'm just like, I'm, I'm away with it. Uh, and I'm sort of really, yeah, really gripped on it. So, and that took me to some very unhelpful places as, as yeah, as we, I went through sort of my teens and, and where I ended up at, at 21. Yeah, I, you know, reading the book, it, you take some twists and turns there, right through from, you know, substance abuse, there's there's eating disorders, there's um, self-harming in there. You know, these are some serious, serious subjects that, that you've you've gone through. And but it, I want to go back to that. No, Sorry, I was going to say, and it sounds mad, but it, it's just, even if I look back on it now, it was such, it was such a normal thing. It was like everybody was doing it. And I, I almost think we probably look at the younger generation now and some of the pictures that they post on on social media, which is like public domain. And you think, what are you doing? Like, this is mad, but, it, you know, it's so normalized from them. And I think that's when you get, you know, at school as well, when a group of students are doing something, then it's very much a, a normal thing. And those, I think, are really early days to start building your beliefs in, you know, around your peer group that you then take forward later on in life. Yeah, I want to try and so if we if we compact all those experiences together, all of those through your teens, um, the things we've just that we've just discussed, and they all culminate in this point, you know, on your twenty first around your twenty first birthday, where you say to your mum, you know, I think I need some help. Um, you know, many of us don't ask for help early enough. Um, we get. You know, it's generally at a stage where it's an absolute crisis by the time time we ask, ask for help and some don't ask at all. I want to know what it felt like when you said those words to your mom about needing help. How, how did you feel when once you, you said that out loud? It's... It's weird. I thought I thought the memory would be hazier than it than it is, but no, I think I can. I, I I think I well, I'm I'm sure I know I felt relieved. Um I think I cried with relief. Um and I think there was a certain acceptance there as well, finally, where I thought, you know, I had I could control everything and everything was managed. It was just, you know, I, I just needed to stop drinking or I just needed to stop doing this. And it was that admittance and admitting to myself that actually I need some help and and obviously to be met with relief from her side to say thank god um was was really comforting you know to know that I wasn't on on my own anymore with this and I and I was was sharing it with someone that cared about me a lot that that loved me it was you know she's my mum so yeah there was a there was a real sense of of relief there and I, I remember yeah I, I remember feeling relieved and you know happy compared to you know what I had been feeling all the way up until I was sort of in there I think the, the shock and the panic started setting in um obviously when they said we want you to come in you know right away and and then it was kind of a panic well what does this mean um you know for me like saying goodbye to friends I think my mum actually drove me um, up to Camden to say goodbye um, to some people like I was only going away for a month but you know it was a very kind of scary scary feeling but there was no there was no other way um, I you know I had accepted that you know I was pro I was probably gonna put myself in an early grave if I didn't get some help or if I didn't do something about it um, because I was I was losing my mind as well you know that 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 much kind of drink and and drugs in that environment it, you know it starts really mucking with you like chemistry wise that you you know I wasn't really making any sense I was um 
behaving like a complete psycho a lot of the time as well um and it only took one drink i think to to top up as well and i was you know really all over the shop and putting myself in dangerous situations so i think even if um that hadn't have killed me i probably would have ended up with some i mean i was with with dangerous people in dangerous places and something would have happened to me in that so it was definitely it was definitely a, a relief that i didn't that there was kind of light and that perhaps someone else could help me fix this because I'd, although it didn't look like I was trying to help myself or fix, fix what was going on. Um, I was, I just didn't have a clue how to. You just mentioned there about um, being in dangerous situations and with dangerous people, etc. cetera. Um, one of the things that has come through in some of the other previous podcasts is about taking risks. Um, so when you're at, that stage where you, as you mentioned there, your, your thought processes are not, not great. Your, your decision-making is blurry or a little bit all over the place. What, what kind of situations were you putting yourself in um, that were dangerous? I would literally, you know, I just thought I was invincible. Um, and everything around me was a blur. It was like, it, it was like life wasn't real and I could just do anything I wanted. And, and I would, I just go out and meet, meet people. I mean, say if I was out for a, for a couple of days, um, this is over a period of days, you know, when one kind of party finished, I'd go on to a bar I'd meet someone. I go back to a house party. I go back to some, someone's house with them alone. Um, I would take things that were given to me that I didn't even know what they were. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, I ended up, God, I remember, I remember being, taken by um this guy he drove a cab i don't know really hazy memories but yeah I, had, I don't even know where he lived i have no idea he dropped me back eventually but i hadn't slept for about two days and uh just just madness absolute madness um just with with perfect strangers people i knew nothing about who could have been anyone really um getting in cars with people um and going to places that that no one else knew where I was. I didn't even know where I was. I was completely out of it. Oh, yeah. I said some risks there, isn't there? I'm, I'm glad you eventually decided to seek help and you spoke to your mum about it. And then let's let's try and dig into what, what happens in rehab. You're um, the first person that I've had on the podcast that's spoken openly about being involved in rehabilitation and one of the things you talk about is um it throughout the book we you know we can spend quite a bit of time fixing the surface but if we don't really fix the problems underneath then they'll just keep keep bubbling back over um mm. this was your attempt in in rehab to to fix what was under the surface or at least to get to get into that you said you was there for a month tell us what what that month was like and what what was rehabilitation or the rehab program at the Priory trying to achieve and and how how successful was that yeah sure um well I, now I'm thinking back and I can I only remember like a few days because it was a lot like um Groundhog Day in there where it was very much the same <laughs> thing over um over and over again which is why I I know so much that you know quick it, it's quick fixes don't don't work um with so many so many things there isn't a quick way to fix years of uh bad behavior um or or whatever else is going on going on there so I I think all of us to a certain extent in some areas of our life um not necessarily to the um crazy detriment that I'm talking about that I did with mine but you know cover things up and they to unearth those things which quite often you do to get to the root cause and the bottom the bottom of it um that's going to take some time and really what happened when I was there it was just um so I obviously was in-house um and and stayed over so I was in there for, for a month and we had we literally had therapy sessions from about 7 a.m till 7 p.m I think um, obviously breaks and things and you know lunch but I don't you know what I can really tell you is we just talked a lot but I cannot remember exactly what was sort of talked about um, 
but hearing other people's stories and and this is why I know that um identification is is key for all of us in on you know recovering from anything that we're going through or getting help with anything if we can find someone that we identify with then we don't feel so alone with what whatever's going on with us uh and also we can learn from them if we can see someone else has come through it uh in some way then we can start believing that we can as well and if we can see someone else who's identified why they are being a certain or behaving a certain way or or what things have meant for them then we can think well actually hang about is that similar to um a situation that i've had in my life and that gets you and that gets you thinking and thinking in in different ways so it really it expands and opens your mind and we we learn from from each other i feel um the, at the top so i was at the priory in um where was i bounds green in north london and at the top is a very long driveway um that goes up there but at the top of the driveway so on the on the way in there was a little hut there um it's not it's not there anymore but they used to run the best aaca na meetings and so i think there was maybe three a week so we used to go on the weekends i'm sure there was a saturday one and a sunday one in the mornings and there was a an evening one in in the week as well so as well as the therapy sessions we'd go go there so we had contact with you know outside people um that were you know in the rooms and yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, I think fondly back of that because it was like a bit of a, a social club, really, um, in, in that sense. It's yeah, it's really mad when I, I and I haven't really thought properly about it for for ages. But when I look back, it I don't know, it almost feels like like a retreat uh, in a way, um, you know, obviously a real detox uh, with nothing going. I and mean, some people got put on um, different bands because when you go in when you go into rehab with with an addiction you you go right okay no i'm i'm just here i'm you know i'm an alcoholic or you know it's just it's just uh, cocaine and alcohol that i've got a problem with and like no 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 you're you've got an addiction so you will be addicted to everything so you'll have a love addiction a sex addiction um it, you know gambling whenever you put something down you'll pick up something else so we need to get to the root cause um of what is causing this because if you just abstain from one thing then you're going to end up going after another or codependency is another one as well so uh people were put on like i got put on a door holding ban um because i'd find myself opening doors for people just to get thanks that made me you know altered my state and made me feel better um also running down corridors as well that's kind of exerting um energy which you know kind of boosts your mood a bit so really the whole idea is to get you down to the ground down to sort of, of base level and stop fixing on things as mad as that sounds um like opening doors for people or or you know running around or even sugar people were put on sugar bands they couldn't have um white bread as well in the evenings we made a lot of toast in the evenings um <laughs> sugar um sugar again you know alters or your state so all these things that don't seem like they're anything um will be you know you can use to give yourself a little buzz or give yourself or or stuff down a feeling that you're having or just alter your state in some way it just uh, i'm just listening with absolute intrigue <laughs> to what that, to what that must have been like to be inside that type of program was how successful was the program for you? Well, I'm here today. I live to tell the tale. Um, and no, it, it was, uh, it helped massively. I kicked and screamed a little bit. Um, I refused visitors. I mean, I was having, you know, mini kind of meltdowns. My emotions were all over the place uh, as they, as they would be to, you know, because I've, I'd always used something um, or I'd had something regularly that would, that would, you know, alter the way I felt about something. Um, or, you know, I was all over the place anyway, but it was due to um, some sort of substance. So um, yeah, I, I banned my parents from seeing me. I refused to speak to anyone because you could have visitors on the weekend. Um, that was it, I didn't want to see anyone. Uh, then I was like, right, I'm leaving. And I sort of packed a bag. And as I said, it's a very long driveway. And I got about halfway up the driveway. And I, and I remember this very clearly. And there was a big fat log actually just off the side of the road, halfway up the driveway. 
and I just I got there and I sat down I just thought what what am I doing like I felt so broken and so scared because I didn't have that um I didn't have anything to give me you know you know I mentioned earlier about you know being invincible and you know I, I was going through life like that because I had stuff in my system that was making me think I was invincible and without that you know I couldn't even get to the road I couldn't even get to the end of the driveway because I I, I was scared. I was so scared at what at the real world that was out there because I didn't know how to face it without my aids, without the things that I was used to. I mean, so I sat on that log for probably about half an hour and thought, you know, what do I, what do I do? Um, it, the gates aren't locked. I could, I could leave whenever I, you know, whenever I wanted to, but I ended up just, you know, walking back and just sitting it out and felt, you know, a lot, a lot safer um, there. And there was a lot of work to do within myself and I was you know ready to leave after the month and they do a um this sounds like a sales pitch now for the for the priory uh, but they do this aftercare <laughs> program um but you know I think I was actually getting a little bit paranoid sort of towards the end um because I think you know especially in the rooms you've had people that have been in the priory and have left and you've got a bit of hearsay and, and they helped me massively and I'm I'm obviously hugely grateful and thankful um, that I was able to go there and get that help. But um, I remember saying to my mum, I was like, don't, they, they just want, you know, they just want money out of you. Don't do the aftercare program. They're going to tell you that I need it. And I don't, and I'm fine. So I was, you know, a bit, bit paranoid with all of that. Um, and I didn't do the, the aftercare program, the after treatment, but I, you know, I, I was doing my meetings and, and that was what was nice because when we were going to those meetings at the top of the driveway and seeing other people, you know, I'd already built a community, um, we'd built our like sort of friend community. So when we did leave the Priory, you know, we weren't just suddenly out fending for ourselves um, with no one around. We still had these meetings to go to and, and, you know, a whole group of friends that we built and everyone was, you know, massively supportive because we've all got this one thing in common. Um, and so, yeah, all supporting each other. And then, you know, you do the 12 step program. However, uh, I decided after about six months or so, and I have spoken about this on my own podcast as well. Me being me, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give this another shot because I'm very stubborn. And I was like, I want to do this on my own. Like, I don't want to do, I think I'd started the steps and I was like, I don't want to be in meetings the rest of my life. Like, I have to give this another chance um, and another try and another shot at doing it, you know, sorting it myself. And it was a bit wobbly for the for the first year or so. Um, so when when I moved, yeah, when I left there, I, I was living with my dad for a yeah when when I came out for a few years actually. It seemed like only a year time like condensed, but we were talking about this the other day. I was there for yeah quite a while, um, and yeah, it was a bit kind of wobbly to to start with. And you know, that's I was talking to a friend the other day. I just I could describe myself as Bambi. You know, I was just trying to sort of get up and I was falling down and, and it was all part of the, the learning process. But every time I, I did that, I got stronger and there was less, uh, there was more time in between my little slip ups. And I built the resolve that way um, instead of, you know, sort of white knuckling it, abstaining and, and falling right off the wagon. And I think that almost kind of helped me in a way. And it, you know, it took years to to build, but I did manage, manage to do it. And I, 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 I think the rooms are great and I refer people to them all the time um, because I think they're, they're amazing to go to, you know, if you're ever feeling like, you know, things are out of control um, and you don't know where to go and, you know, it's a bit daunting to, to call up a therapist or it's quite intense, you know, go and find yourself a meeting and just walk in there because everybody is so welcoming and, you know, it's not, it's, it's just, it's just very easy and very natural um, and a friend of mine's in recovery at the moment, and I haven't been to a meeting in years. So I just went, he's chairing one of the meetings. So I went back to support him. Well, and also just, just for curiosity as well, I was in an AA meeting uh, not that long ago. And it was just, you know, it hasn't changed. It's just, you know, there's a wonderful community in there. Um, it's not something I feel that I, I need to go to uh, regularly, uh, certainly not anymore. But I, I think it's a really great place for anyone that is struggling, um, who doesn't know what to do is there's so many meetings around um, and they're still going now actually, because the whole zoom thing was not working for people um, in, you know, in recovery during the, during COVID during lockdown. Um, so they are, they are still in-person meetings. 
So anyone that's listening to this, if you know you're feeling um, that you need some help and you don't know where to go, um, and things are quite difficult right now, um, please please look up your nearest meeting um, and get yourself down there. And I promise you will be welcomed. Probably not with open arms necessarily because of COVID, but um, that you know, welcome welcomed in, and they will look after you um, and they will help you. They will help you. The 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 person on the podcast previously, Shah, she was talking about some counselling meetings and some various other environments that she'd she'd gone to as part of these uh, family um, these family sessions that you could go to, um, and she's like, you know, the points you've just made there about uh, finding other people who are going through it and seeing them at a different stage, being able to relate to them is so powerful. She was saying, you know, there was people in the meetings that she went to who's, you know, outside of that meeting, their lives were in absolute chaos, you know, absolutely uh, devastated their lives uh, through some of their own choices and through some of the people that um, they surrounded themselves with. And then they would say, oh, would you like a cup of tea? And for that moment, it was almost like while they was in that meeting and they were helping others, there was no, nothing else outside and that their, their real aim was to support other people that were going through similar situations as themselves. And I think she talked about that level of service and the fulfillment in which you get as a human being to help others, even when you're struggling is just unbelievable. Absolutely. And it, it helps, it helps you to do so. You know, everybody's, even people that are 20, 30 years clean are still in those meetings daily because they um, rely on them still. They, you know, even for their own kind of recovery and to keep themselves in that place and to give back to others because giving back and helping others is exactly the very thing that is keeping them clean. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy. It, this has come up so much in the podcasts. Uh, you know the the statement that the final stage of healing is yeah. to help others. This has come up in almost every podcast where there's been a scenario like this. They each one of those people then goes on to use their experiences and and help other people. I, I just want to say thank you. There, um, I asked a few questions, and I know we spoke off air, and you said you know nothing's out of bounds just ask away um, but I just want to say thank you for your honesty and a little bit of vulnerability there of letting me ask questions that were quite prodding about your um, about times in your life when it's not been as as um, as good as it as it is now maybe so thank, thank you, you for asking no one's as I said to you earlier no one's really ever gone there they say well can I ask you and I say yeah absolutely I am fire away I'm an open book whatever you want to know but you know, I think maybe it's it's uncomfortable for 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 people to go there as well. And do you know what you've you know? It feels really good to share what I've just shared, which I don't think I really have ever in that detail and that depth um, before. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, you're you're welcome, um, and the pleasure is genuinely mine. And I just hope there's people who are listening to this who can uh, relate to this and and make the same choices that you did at that point where you you made a decision. Um, to get help I want to forget all that now um, we've talked about those really serious bits I want to talk about Camilla the chameleon <laughs> now who you are now you know I watch your videos on on Instagram I watch the the stuff that you post like just I don't know if the feedback is what you're looking for but I'm going to tell you anyway like listen there ain't many videos <laughs> and the one at the weekend about your next door neighbor <laughs> drilling uh, the minute you sat down to start to start doing your uh, your your vlog um, was superb. I mean, as if there, I think there's one thing for certain when you're recording videos, podcasts, anything. You can always guarantee next door does some DIY on the same day. So um, you're not in this, you're not on your own in that. But I just think whenever I look at your videos, um, I just start smiling. You know, you're really bubbly. You're uh, you know, you appear to be. Um, really um just happy if that if that's the right the right choice i don't want that to be a poor choice of words but um so when those videos are on and i get to watch them if anyone out there isn't following follow camilla on instagram and i'm sure there's other social media networks you're on but um yeah i just want to get what is it that you're doing now then you know we've gone through all of that and so what 
what is it you're trying to achieve? You said there you wanted to give a little back, you want to coach people, but what's your purpose? Oh, it's the, the big question, the big question. Um, so, I mean, at the moment, uh, variety is a spice of life for me, um, and I'm not very good at focusing on one thing. Um, and And I feel like, you know, the more experiences that I have in different areas, the more I can channel into each area from the different things if that makes sense um so obviously i've still got my my businesses um which are not really running because they're not covid friendly at the moment in terms of makeup and and entertainment but i you know see this as a real blessing because the book was kind of just the start um and that was uh that came out on international women's day last year just before we went into lockdown and since then obviously i've just been honing my skills um at you know at sharing you know, sharing my insights, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, um, you know, a lot of the tools I picked up were in, you know, therapy prior to rehab, um, but also in rehab, a lot of the stuff that I've learned along the way. And I, I just want to share all the stuff that's, that's really helped me. Um, and, you know, sharing my parts of my story um, as well, because I feel that in today, so, so many people are not being themselves because they, they feel that they can't because so many people around them are not being themselves. And so it's kind of the blind needing the blind. Um, and just as, you know, in, in any way possible and in, in whatever form, I'm hoping to break into YouTube a little bit this, um, this year, something I've been putting off, off for a while, um, just to, just to share all that, um, for, you know, nothing, nothing in return, um, I've just I've um, gone into partnership with it with an amazing company um, and that's fo focusing on employee empowerment. So um, it's it's kind of using all of this to to help employees feel more empowered um, at work because there's a lot of stuff out there for for entrepreneurs and, and sort of freelancers as well who um, might be used to finding this stuff. But this is more for the employee side of things. But I'm just kind of feeling my way. Uh, I said in the book, I, I fly by the seat of my pants, really, um, and and sort of flit around. So, and and I just I like to be that way. I like to be able to go wherever I'm called, um, called to, or wherever I can, and wherever I'm I'm needed. On one on the first podcast with Damien News, I I asked him a question about, and I'm not going to ask you that question, but I asked about what his goals were and what he had set for. Uh, 2021, for example, quite a generic question and hoping to dig in. And and he just said, look, Tony, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I haven't got, you know, I've got some goals, but I don't set my mind on these specific goals. Um, what I set my mind on is living my life by a particular set of values and then behaviours on that as well. And opportunities arise. I, I just figure out if they're right for me or if they're helpful. And that that sounds a little bit like you there, that you've got, you know, you know who you are now. You know what you want in terms of how you want to be um, with your own mental well-being. And if these opportunities are placed in front of you, you'll have a go at, at any yeah. of them. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I used to have a real problem with people used to say, "Well, you know, what are your goals? You've got to have goals." And I used to get really stressed out. Uh, and I was like, is this because I'm scared of failing at them or is this because I just don't want to have goals? And and I if I you know think back, I am always happiest. And also things are always working out for me when I'm just going with the flow. When I try to force things or put um, timelines in and, you know, I've got fitness goals and, and I do have business goals and, th and things like that, but not rigid I will be here but in three years time and then I will be here in five years time and this is where I will be in 10 years time like it just doesn't work for me and, and I and by doing so I, I think you can blind yourself up to, off to so many opportunities because it doesn't fit in with your you know cast iron plan that you must achieve and I just don't think life works like that um, and things are changing so quickly I mean take the the current pandemic for instance like no one saw that coming um, and that's thrown uh, a lot of a lot of things kind of completely off off kilter, uh, but I, I I have cut myself up from opportunities when I have been too rigid with setting goals, and the only reason I've done that is because everybody else was doing it, and I felt that I had to. <laughs> and 
Yeah. There's a theme there. There's a theme there, Camilla. <laughs> exactly. And and so this is what, and I struggle with it sometimes. It's really hard to do. Um, I, I feel particularly with social media because we're looking into people's lives all the time. So we're picking up all these things, even on a subconscious level, and we, that we feel that we should be doing or we ought to be doing or, oh, that looks good. Maybe I should be doing that. Um, and they're only little suggestions, but they they do build up. And then before you know it, you're not actually living the life that's meant for you or the life that you even want to and oh you've you've dragged me in there i need some examples here what are these things that we're seeing that you drag you in because whether and you mentioned subconsciously there i am a sucker for things like that so tell me what these things are so oh, I, can avoid I, I, them. Don't, I don't know i think that you know they're different for everybody and they could be you know business related things or I don't know, successes and achievements maybe that other people are having in the business department or in the fitness department or, you know, and, and we just sort of, it's like window shopping. You think, oh, you know, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll have a, I'll have a bit of that and sort of working it into your life. And we, we try to stuff so many things into our life. Um, we're hmm. trying to be, you know, the, the fittest, leanest um, person with the most successful business um, and, you know, looking like, a photoshop model in real life you know all all these kind of suggestions of things and, and the pressure um that we need to have them but also some you know i think a lot another time as well with when you're following these accounts we forget that people do this for a living so particularly with the the fitness ones and people being in like amazing shape they they can afford to be because that's what they're not just their personal like personal passion is but also their whole business centers around it if you're at the office um for sort of nine hours a day or so um there's very little time for for all of that and you've got different stress stresses and, and pressures and I think we sometimes forget that and we think well wait they've got it why can't I have that you know I'm working really hard but it's you know we've all got different lifestyles different styles of living and I just think we need to be mindful yeah I think no Sorry, no I just think just, just to be you know just to be just to think twice about that and how that fits in with our life yeah it's come up a lot actually there's a couple of things there so it's come up about you know the whole phrase around comparison is the thief of joy and compare and despair and you know all of those types of things that you get into that habit and it's it's a real a real hot you know it's not a great place to be when every time you look around you're comparing to what you have to somebody else and um you you end up Hannah, who, Hannah Campbell, who came on, said, you know, you can't really make those comparisons as destinations when you all started in different places, you know. Mm -hmm. Even if we just look back at your story, um, your your backstory is completely different to mine. So if we then make an assumption that we need to be in a similar place in terms of success, we, it just never, never really works. And social media is a tough place for that because – it's visible continuously. I love what you said there about you've got to be the leanest, the fittest. I always think I want to be able to drink the most beers, but also be the leanest and fittest. And the two things don't really go together, you know, but I also want to have loads of money in a big car, but then I don't want to spend loads of money on a big car. And it's, you know, like this conflict against yourself is just continuous, you know, and you can be sucked into that, um, into that social media presence. I'm, the, I suppose the, the younger generation, I mean, how old are you, Camilla? No. Sorry to ask no. you on the I'm podcast, your age. Oh, you're 33, so I'm 11 years older than you, uh, coming up to 11 years older than you. I'm four, can't even add up this threes. evening. But, yeah, I'm about, I'm about 10 years older than you anyway, um, another decade. And I lived without social media, and you will have lived a portion of your life without social media as well. But you know what what impact is it i mean this is a big question and i don't really know if you have the answer but what kind of impact is this social media presence having on people that are continuously surrounded by it i don't think it's a positive one look i can't speak for for everyone and and you know lots of you know lots of people get um you know, get benefit from it, you know, that it, it can be a source of 
um, inspiration. Uh, it can be obviously a way for people to, you know, accessible for people to have their own businesses and, and kind of run on the, but I just think it's a bit of a edgy, edgy game, game to play because, uh, um, what is it? The social dilemma, which have you seen the social dilemma? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I've I, seen it. Yeah. Another one yeah. that was, yeah. um, I, it must have got suggested to me, and I can't, for the life of me can't remember the name, and I wish I could because it was about the impact on um, on kids, and they were interviewing the kids and the parents, and and there were kids that are try, were trying to commit suicide um, or had done, and this is more because they felt so sort of terrible about themselves because they spend so much time, and and this one girl I remember she was, I think she tried to jump out the window. Um, and it was her and her father being interviewed. And so she, you know, she went to see someone, she, she got herself off and she got better, but she's still using it. I mean, it, it's like a drug. Um, and, and I can very much see that. And I, I find myself kind of being pulled in and still, and, and sort of changing. And even my sister, um, said with my niece that she's just, she's horrible when she's on it. It really changes her personality. She's very snappy. She's very moody afterwards so they you know used to take the phone away from her um and I I just yeah the damage I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't really want my children on it the problem is it's not really it's not really going anywhere and so I think you've just got to manage your time around it but I think being on yeah it's a bit like going you're trying to abstain from alcohol but going to see your friends at the pub um you know if you had it's so difficult. I, I, you're right. I, I don't know if there is an answer or what the answer is. And I, I didn't think you'd know that when I asked the question. I, more just mm -hmm. speaking out loud to you while we're on the, you know, on the podcast. It, I just, it's so difficult. Um, you know, Damien Hughes brought up in episode one about if you look at um, the highest performers, which he speaks to regularly on his podcast, um, they don't really go on social media. Um, and he was talking about Dina Asher-Smith, the the, um, the sprinter, the, the world champion sprinter, right? So this is like somebody who's amazing at her job. And he asked her about social media and she said, oh, I don't really go on there because when I've finished mm. on there, I just feel like yeah. shit. And this is like a young girl who is successful, got an amazing career ahead of her, would be regarded as, you know, the world champion sprinter in her field. So it's not like she's shit at her job you know this is a person who is top of her game and still goes on there and comes off feeling like shit I mean that's not that's not a healthy place to be no there's there's just something so. there's something about it and and you can't pinpoint exactly what it is and and I think it's you know sometimes you can have a you can have a good experience um but other times you know it's like the the um slot machines isn't it at the casino which is what it's designed to be um you know you never know what the feeling's going to be but if you get enough kind of highs whether that's you know messages or posts from friends that make you laugh but as a whole I just think awareness around how much time you're spending on it you know removing apps from your phone uh wherever possible and having to go actually to your computer or somewhere um a bit more physical to view it is helpful yeah, there's there's some real discipline needed in that, isn't there? Because it's very hard to to set those boundaries yourself. You know, a lot of these um, the high performers that I was uh, talking about with Damien would either have somebody mm -hmm. that manages it for them, or they would be in a position where um, they are so disciplined that they just don't read the comments that come in there. It's a real a real struggle in place. So I want to ask you a question now about going back in time. So if you was standing in front of Camilla, 15 years old, maybe 12 years old Camilla, knowing what journey she's about to go through leading up to that point on her 21st birthday, what, what would you say to your younger self? There would be nothing I could say because I was so stubborn and defiant and I would have done what I wanted to do. I think the only thing I could have said was, <laughs> Or I would say is that um, it's yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tricky couple of years. It's going to be one hell of a ride, but it's all going to be fine at the end. And if you don't go through this, you're not going to be the person, and you're not going to be able to 
to to do the do the great things that you can do unless unless you go through this so basically hang in there ride it out and it'll all be fine <laughs> typical camilla <laughs> advice there hang on by hang on by the seat of your pants it's gonna be okay all in the end one of the themes that goes through the book um is in in my opinion what i read is about being happy in your own skin um I want to ask that question to you then. How happy are you, Camilla, in your skin now, having gone through all of those experiences, helped other people, wrote books, coached people? How happy are you? I'm happiness is a funny word. Um because it means, you know, it means kind of different different things, uh, I guess to different different people. I I mean so much not not even comparable to to where to what I was I found the easiest thing and the thing that never mind even that makes me happy just living life with ease is just joyful in itself and that is being myself because it's the easiest thing to do for me now whereas at the beginning and for me and and for so many others it's actually the hardest thing to do because I think we spend so lots such a long time not being ourselves and trying to be so many other things to please so many other people um not not even in a you know more just for to get on in life you know to to land jobs to um land romantic partners uh you know to to kind of form friendships in certain areas (laughs) um to achieve certain things and yeah it's just you know just being honest and and i guess maybe to a certain extent if you kind of call out who you are then no one can really I heard this someone actually say this it's it's like calling out who you are before anyone can actually call that out you know, you've got nothing to hide you know there's there's nothing to fear because you're not hiding anything and you're just being you and you can't be anything different and and that's probably because I've learned that being anything different doesn't achieve anything good in the long run and winds winds up in some with a lot of work to do basically to un to undo it all mm. to unpick it all yeah camilla i just want to say thank Thanks. you for your time this evening it's been an absolute pleasure um there was a million things i wanted to talk about um and we got some of them in and we didn't get some things in but i just want to say thank you again for your honesty in that first part of the podcast where you opened up about things that had gone on in your past. I, I'm, I feel really privileged this evening that you shared that with me. So thank my, you very much for that. My goodness, thank you. Um, this has been like the 